Welcome, everyone, to 2023 season episode 11 of the Team Blaney podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. As always, this podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the drivers of the Blaney Racing family for two decades, and Team Blaney itself launched on social media in 2014. Each weekly episode of the podcast offers an in-depth analysis of Ryan Blaney's latest NASCAR Cup Series race, plus news, notes, and a lineup of special guests all throughout the year. This week, though, we break down the number 12 team's run in the Food City Dirt Race at Bristol Motor Speedway. Steve, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. As I said, fresh off uh, NASCAR's the NASCAR Cup Series third attempt at running a dirt race at Bristol Motor Speedway. And just quick review of it, I'd have to say three times is a charm is that how that goes the third time's a charm time's because a charm, yeah. i feel sure. like out of all of them that they've done maybe even out of all the truck races outside of maybe the inaugural truck race they did at eldora um this was probably the best product all weekend long that they've run on a on a dirt surface in nascar since they brought that back yeah it's cool um tony stewart was the broadcast which is the perfect guy to have on the broadcast and um those who know know that he owns eldora so those who know also knows that he knows how to prep a track. You've seen him on a tractor before you've seen him. And when he commented on how well the track was prepped, um, he knew that uh, they were ready for the racing and they, they, they prepped it properly um, with the weather they knew was coming and then the weather they did have beforehand. And um, it worked out really good. They didn't have to do a lot in between this. You know, they had the the, the the six minute breaks between the stages and stuff, and they did not have to go out there and do anything extra special. They did a normal thing with with track prep, put a little water down, whatever it was. Um, so the whole weekend, the, the track was in excellent shape. And, you know, with some of the restarts and some of the three and four wide and getting yawed out and, and, and guys catching grip and, and high lane. I mean, I saw within a lap uh, guys pass each other four times. You know, a guy running the high lane, you know, would get passed underneath him, but then he get the momentum off the high lane. And by the start finish line, he was in front of the other guy again. And, um, you know, it was excellent to watch. Yeah. And I got to see this race in person last year. We stayed home this year, but that was the first thing, even Saturday I noticed. I was like, man, that track looks fantastic. And mm-hmm. like you said, they did get a little bit of help from other nature, nature with just enough moisture. Um, like you said, the crew did really well and, it just seemed like this was the year um, where the dirt guys, just because of how well the track was prepped, this was the year that the dirt guys were finally going to shine. And you saw that throughout a lot of the heat races. You saw that with the top 10 finishers of this race, um, with a couple of exceptions that that of people that were running pretty strong. Um, one of the other fun things to talk about this weekend that was really a complete surprise, I think, to nearly all of us, is the fact that uh, so Ryan served as Joey Logano's spotter in the Craftsman Truck Series race on Saturday night, and it was just something during I think it was during the 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 heat the heat races or something like someone just threw out there that you know Joe or Joey said you know Ryan's spotting for me, and everyone was just like what what did they what did they say and I go you know check Twitter because I didn't catch it and I have people messaging us on our platforms and in our Discord talking about it I'm searching Twitter and other people are are confused and we're like did 
was that did he say Blaney or is it another Ryan or is there another spotter named Ryan? And then yeah, we come out to find, you know, Ryan's the guy uh up on the the spotter stand for Joey in this race and it became like the Joey and Ryan show for the whole that whole broadcast which was really really fun. I hope everybody that followed along with Team Blaney throughout the evening had, had a good time on Twitter and the tick the TikToks and the Instagrams that we put out because it was so unexpected and I think it was just a it's a great time had by all just uh throughout the evening. <laughs> um you know, usually I listen to Josh during the truck races because he 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 is running uh, he's spotting for Zane, and as I find this out, I'm like, oh, I got to listen to this, <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was really really good. Truthfully, um, depending on what you saw, the the uh, I think Joey started on the second row. Within two laps, he was leading, so Ryan didn't have to do a lot of spotting. Um, only on the uh, start of stage three because yep. um, he stayed out. Stayed out. And at that point, um, same thing. He he was like four or five back, and then he he got up there within a couple laps. Um, but the truth is, is he definitely did a great job of giving Joey a good idea of what everybody behind him was doing. So a lot of his spotting was once Joey got to the lead was okay. Well, that guy's doing this in the corner. That guy's doing that in the corner. They're running three and four this way. They're running one and two this way. So there was real good information there. Um, and it was funny because it's the same information I hear Josh give every week, (laughs) you know, so he was definitely, you know, and then there was a joke, I think on, on Sunday that Josh made at the beginning about, uh, I don't know, uh, don't know much about, about this stuff or something like that, or, you know, I'll try, I'll try to keep up or something like that. Josh made a joke (laughs) even, you know, really, um, but, uh, but, but Saturday night, it was, it was a blast and, um, you put a TikTok out. Um, what song did you use on the TikTok? Uh, uh, it was Imagine Dragons on, on Top of the World. On um, Top of the World, yeah. <laughs> because it's just so funny because it was cold. It got down until I think like the high 30s. Um, obviously, they're all the way up. They're in the mountains. They're all the way at the top of Bristol Motor Speedway in the spotter stand. And you could see that Ryan, maybe not used to it. The other the other spotters around him look fairly bundled up and comfortable. And Ryan had a coat on and stuff, but you could tell. And it was just the perfect thing to where it kind of looked like he was bobbing to the music a little bit. So I had a little bit of mm-hmm. a little bit of fun with that. Um, but like you said, um, I mean, on the broadcast, they kept going to Ryan and they would go to mm-hmm. Ryan and Joey. And sometimes I think it was just so lighthearted. They had both of them kind of yeah. talking to each other and talking to to the the folks in the booth and um i mean if like you said if you listen to some of the feedback ryan was getting giving and even when he was on um the on live in the broadcast mm-hmm. like yeah he's kind of just painting the picture of what's happening behind him mm-hmm. and, and letting him know like where the where the runs are coming from or where people are running and it just yeah i know people yeah. made the joke that he didn't really have to do anything and it's true he didn't do a ton of spotting and traffic but um, mm-hmm. it's just, it was a great way to start what was almost a perfect weekend. <laughs> so, yeah. um, just they were, lot. um, they were, uh, he was even modest really. Cause I think they made a joke on the air about how he's doing such a great job. And, and he said something about it all driver. And then he, there was like another comment at one point that they were talking to Ryan and all of a sudden Joey piped in, yep. <laughs> you know, so they were just <laughs> like totally in tune and having a good time. And, uh, it really kind of gave you a little bit of insight into what their relationship was like too. You know, um, I don't know if Joey asked him to do it or if Ryan asked to do it, but um, between the two of them, it, it, they were a pretty good team, you know? Yeah. I think it was funny. And Joey gave him, you know, so the Joey, 
Um, bearing the lead, Joey goes on to win the race. Uh, so mm-hmm. Ryan is one for one, batting a thousand uh, as a spotter in the NASCAR uh, Craftsman Truck Series. At this point, they had a really cool uh, victory lane photo. Where I think he's holding the sheath of the sword, and Joey has the sword. And um, but Joey gave him a pretty good shout out in uh, his victory lane interview. Mm-hmm. And um, he said at, at some point, I think Ryan, you know, is keeping it kind of lighthearted up there, keeping him calm, you know? So he said that Ryan did a good job. And I think you're right. I mean, we know, I mean, based on radio traffic that, and Joey is the first to admit this, that Joey says he's a totally different person when he's behind the wheel, when he puts that helmet on and, you know, he, runs Ryan really hard, even though they're teammates and Ryan isn't always going to be super excited with how, how Joey's going to run them. But it seems like off the track, you know, as human beings, as you know, I don't, I don't want to say they're necessarily friends or best friends or anything. You can tell mm. they, they have a pretty decent relationship and that's good to see. Well, I, I could tell um last year at the SRX event at uh, Sharon Speedway too, because Joey, you know, went with them and uh, you know, Joey was there for the event and he was there to broadcast, but he was there, because of you know his is his, you know one of his teammates too so yeah they and he was really he was really I, I met that's the first time i really got to talk to joey too and it was really uh he's a really cool guy really <laughs> yeah that's all i'll say off the out of the car i i really i'm a i'm a big joey fan in the car not always necessarily the best but hey he's a, he's a fierce competitor and he's a two-time mm-hmm. champion for a reason Two-time champion yeah. so winning the truck race as a spotter was definitely a, a highlight of the weekend but it wasn't um the only good thing to happen on saturday and i think that we can kick off uh, with our race weekend recap with some of the other events that happened early in the day and then we can move on to sunday yeah well um friday uh was supposed to be practice and yeah, well, they canceled that they cancel that early, you know. Um, I like it for the dirt because it just kind of give would give Ryan some more time, uh, you know, running some laps. You know, these guys on this type of surface run some laps, getting used to the kicking the maybe kicking the back end out a little bit more. Um, but uh, they did not do that. That's so, more of a traditional dirt weekend where guys only get hot laps, and that's what happens yeah. on dirt on the dirt side of the short track world. Asphalt side of the short track world is crazy with practice. So, um, they do a draw. So here's another thing. Uh, let's talk about this and passing points. Okay. Uh, I uh, kind of assumed that they would do, um, uh, uh, timing, uh, they would do time, get a timed lap in and set the field, uh, for the, uh, heats that way. Cause most of the events I ever go to on dirt and stuff, that's what they do is these guys, um, they set up the heats and the mains and all that stuff based on timing first, um, but they did not. They did a draw. Um, and Ryan drew P1 for the second heat. <laughs> and let's talk passing points. Uh, let's talk to our, our, our dirt expert, Adam Rogers, and explain to <laughs> passing points, Adam. So it's a little bit, I can see where it's a little bit confusing. And as you said, there's there's kind of two different ways that they can set up heat races on the dirt side. They do a pill draw, which is kind of what they did with this random draw, where they'll do qualifying. So there's no qualifying in this case. So essentially it was like a pill draw. Um, now, they don't always use a passing point system on dirt, though. So they didn't have to do this, but they did to try to make things a little bit more fair. If you drew a bad pill and you ended up starting, you know, eighth in your heat race or something, um, you can still gain a couple of positions and and not be hurt too much on your starting position for the main event. So Ryan starts on the pole, um, from what I understand, um, as far as points go in the heat race, if you finish you get points based on your finish and you get points based on the amount of cars that you pass. So Ryan started on the pole for heat two. If as long as he held his position on the, 
in the first position, he would get 10 points just for his finish. But that was mm-hmm. the max amount of the maximum amount of points that Ryan was going to get. If he lost the lead, went to second, he'd get nine points. And as it go down eight points, seven points, six points, um, people were confused. They're like, oh, if he did that, but then he passed cars to get back to the lead, he'd get a point. No, the maximum amount for him where he started was was going to be 10. If you started second, your maximum amount was going to be 11. If you started third, it was going to be 12. So it just it just varies based on that. So if you started in the sixth position, like Kyle Larson, um, he passed, or not six, but I forget where he started, but every oh, car that fifth. was it something like that. So every car yeah. that you pass along the way, you get a point. And then if you won the heat, you get 10 points for winning the heat. So say you passed four cars on your way to winning the heat race, you end up with 14 or 15 points. So um, that's kind of how it worked out for uh, Kyle Larson, Austin Dillon. You know, they passed some cars on their way to the lead. Bubba Wallace won, was it heat three or heat four? And he ended up actually starting, what, 11th? You know, Ryan Mm -hmm. wins uh, heat two. There's actually a little confusion between TV and the race team and NASCAR and posts after the heat races um, that said different variations of where he finished. So um, he started, Mm -hmm. was able to start inside the top 10, which I'm probably already, I'm spoiling your, your heat race. That's That's why, but that's why I asked you the question. But yeah, that's, uh, so that's how passing points work. Basically you get a certain number of points for where you finish. And if you advance your position from where you started, you get a point for each one of those passes you make. So some people didn't think it was fair. I mean, Ryan, when, you know, he, he drew that first pill and they interviewed him before the race, you know, I wish I was starting fifth or sixth because he knew mm -hmm. he had the skills and had a fast car and he was going to pass some guys. So he would have been in a better points position, but um, but he did what he could do and what he could control and, and things worked out. Okay. Yeah. He was, um, you know, he, he led all 15 laps and he was, uh, who was it? Was it Briscoe in his heat? It was Briscoe behind him in his heat. Right. Cause I, he was man- basically managing the gap. It was great yes. to watch because watch, listen to however you could do it. Um, uh, because, uh, you know, Josh was giving feedback based on, you know, what line was going on behind him. And when Ryan was trying to run either a similar line or block that line and they were, and I, they were still 10 car lengths apart as he was doing this. But, um, I thought it was great practice for, you know, what hopefully what is going to happen on Sunday. And I was, you know, I mean, people talk about, you know, you know, about the attendance this weekend and the spring race has always kind of been a little bit down. I was just really sad. And, you know, for the truck heat races and the cup heat races that there really wasn't that many people there. And it was on FS2 on TV. So there was really not a lot of people watching this. And it was, I, I thought maybe it was going to be some of the best racing of the weekend, though. I would argue the main event on Sunday was really, really good. So, mm-hmm. um, I thought, uh, you have to Ryan the way Ryan attacks a dirt track, because you know and he, it was there's some misconceptions again throughout this weekend that ryan was a dirt guy because he's blaney um limited again we've said it before limited experience on dirt um from when he was really young and testing some sprint cars and that kind of thing and then actually he ran an srx race last year too but still not it's still more closer to what he's doing here in nascar um so he's not a dirt guy the guy chasing him in that heat race chase briscoe is and briscoe is a guy that was you know would run the high side get it up toward the cushion and he was making time catching Ryan that way. Ryan is running middle to bottom, trying to keep this car as straight as possible on exit. And that was working really, really well for him. So it's kind of just shows you the two different types of styles and Ryan's style in this heat race. And then throughout the actual, the the main event on Sunday was working out really, really well. Um, but the dirt guys could also find speed in other ways 
Um, so it just it was nice that there was still a balance in the field, even if you weren't necessarily a dirt racing expert, that you could still run pretty well. Yeah, so yeah, they get to Sunday, and uh, Sunday's going to be stages of 75, 150, 250. Um, there'll be no competitive pit stops, so, uh, but the stage break, you um, you pit, you get, uh, I think it was six minutes. Um, you can change, that's the only time you could change tires. Um, you could change tires, a tire, if you had a flat tire um, during the actual laps, uh, but you'd also be losing laps as that's happening, too. Um they start out and uh, Ryan and Josh are talking about what lines people may do. So they're talking about, you know, how people are going to run, you know, in, uh, uh, into the turns. Um, and the restarts are wild, uh, three and four wide cars are yaw. Some of them get yawed out a little bit where the back end kicks out. Some of them don't, um, some of them touch because of that. Some of them don't. So on these restarts, I couldn't keep track of like gain five positions or, or loss of position. I just waited a couple laps and then I tried to see where he settled into. And, um, by lap three, he's into 10th and the five was leading, um, at lap seven, he's trying to run a higher line at this point, And he passes the 22 gets to ninth at lap nine. He passes the 15. He's up to eighth. And then at lap 12, we get a caution for the 22 and the 23, where the, it's the 24 hit the 22 hit the 23, <laughs> you know, it's one of those chain reaction deals. Uh, the 38 also got into the wall. He cut a tire. Um, of course they say on the radio staying out because nobody's really going to pit until they have to, um, choose going the leader of the five took the top. Ryan took the top here. Cause hopefully that lane moves a little quicker. Um, 22 gets the pit pit road, uh, speeding penalty actually during all this too. So what'd you think of the, the choose drone this week? The choose. Oh yeah. I think they the choose drone. I liked it. I've heard some controversy over it, but I liked it. Um, uh, Stellanarius had to love it because they actually showed every choose, uh, this week because the camera was on the, the on drone. The drone. So, it's literally right there in the middle of the track, watching the cars go left and right in front of it. Um, I'm just really sad that I didn't jump on the on the social media thing to get that handle. So somebody kind of immediately got at choose drone, and somebody got at drone choose. So it was pretty much already taken, and I can say that neither of them have done a really good job with it. I'm like, man, I could have had a lot of I could have had well, a lot of fun with that over the, that. just over the weekend. But it was really it was pretty funny, and there's some pretty funny memes out there, like the little cloud guy from uh, Mario Kart <laughs> holding up the, <laughs> the little light up uh, choose. I don't even know what to call mm-hmm. that. This basically that big lit illuminated square that the square there, that yeah. the, the drone was holding. So I thought, honestly, I thought it was going to be really bad. I thought there'd be a mishap. I thought it would crash. I'm sure that guy, I mean, I know they get professionals to fly the drones and things, but if that was me, my hands would be shaking, holding that little, <laughs> that remote for that thing. <laughs> so anyway, I thought it was, it was a fun way to do it. I know there's some complaints on DBC and some other spots about, Oh, what yeah. if somebody what crossed under too late? I'm like, eh, it's, it's, this is already a little bit of a novelty get, get yeah. over it, but it was funny. Yeah. Anyway, continue on it. But the choose drone I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> I thought it was cool. Um, so we restart lap 21 by uh, lap 23. He passes the two car. He's up to seventh. Uh, at lap 25, we pass the 41. We're at sixth. At lap 30, we're battling the 41. So they kind of go back and forth between sixth and seventh. And once again, this is one of those things where the guy in the high lane, um, he's getting the run off the, off the corner. He gets the momentum. And the guy in the low lane and then the turns actually passes him and just kind of is back and forth. But by lap 35, he gets to seventh at that point And, uh, then at lap 38, he finally passes the 41, gets to six, gets clear of him. And at lap 39, we had a caution for the 38. Um, 
22 and the 51 also. Um, and uh, we got to reach a choose at this point. Five takes, uh, five takes the top. Ryan takes the top. Um, the, oh, the in-car camera is fixed by this point. <laughs> yeah, we didn't mention that. Uh, we didn't yeah, mention that. that. Was, well, we kicked off the race with a ch- big Cheddar's logo on the screen. I was like, we didn't pick up Cheddar's as a sponsor. And no, um, uh, it, I don't know. I don't know that any of our prodding on on getting some other folks to to, to at them on social media, but eventually it fixed itself. It, it got fixed. So yeah, it didn't fix itself. Somebody had to fix it. But um, I, it amazes me because somebody is in charge of that. You know, um, I you know five bucks a month isn't a lot of money okay i'm you know i know it's not a lot of money but i pay it and i pay it for that those types of things so you know get it together people you know just just check it once just run through it one time switch to <laughs> camera to camera to camera and go oh yeah that's the right camera i mean I, I couldn't i couldn't figure that out because they weren't the only one um what i started doing is the same thing i did that other week where we had the issue and as i started looking for the cars that were running right behind directly behind ryan and oh i don't remember who it was but one of the other cars had the same issue they had somebody else's in-car camera and i'm like that's two of them i mean and they're not even like reversed like if it was like reversed like okay i went to the eight camera and the eight camera was actually the 12 camera i'd be like oh okay that was my first thought but that wasn't but it was it wasn't nope so all i gotta say steve is this is a first world NASCAR problem, NASCAR fan problem yeah. here because we had no in-car cameras for the last decade <laughs> that yeah. we could access. So <laughs> I remember that I'm the guy that used to used to pay I don't know how much a year for race view. Yep. Still you miss know, that. I totally miss that cartoon version of the cars and so forth because they did a great job of showing you um your what you were gaining and losing on the guy in front of you, but that's for decades ago too. So, um, we restarted lap 46, um, by uh, lap 47, we're up to P five and at lap 50, we're battling the 20 for fourth, uh, and the 41 for six. So the three of them are actually going back and forth now. Uh, but lap 54, we passed the 20. We're up to fourth and lap 58. We did caution for the six. Uh, Ryan saying he's way loose. Um, Jonathan says, we'll swing a couple numbers at, at the break. Um, and uh, at the choose for this one, the five takes the top, Brian takes the top. He gives up a row here because he feels it's better to be on the top lane than try to battle from the low lane. Um, the restart lap 65. So they got 10 more laps here to the stage break. Sorts out the P5 here, but lap 75, we get a caution there. And um, it's a caution for the nine. Uh, the five wins the stage. Ryan finishes fifth in stage one. So what, we get stage points there. And is this the first time in like three races or so that we've, the 12 team has scored stage points. So it's been a little while. Yeah. And um, luckily it's, it's a decent chunk. It's not, you didn't finish ninth or 10th. You finished, you know, fifth. And mm-hmm. um, I thought it was really promising. You know, we, we talked last week um, about Ryan finishing in the top 10 in this race, the last, the first two years of it. And, you know, we see him start, you know, back of the top 10 in this race races way up to fifth by the end of this first stage. And I think this is showing you he's pretty good at this, this type of track, which is, you know, only once a year, but it's good to see that it's not just a fluke. You know, some, some finishes in this race have been kind of flukes over the last couple of years. Uh, he's been consistently good on the dirt at Bristol. Um, now I, I, this is interesting because the truck race on, uh, on Saturday, uh, the first stage break, everybody pitted except four cars and then those four cars on the next stage break end up having to pit. So you had to pit once. 
Um, and this was the same thing here. I think everybody was on a strategy, at least originally was on a strategy of pinning now. And then when we start the second or go to the second stage, we're just going to stay out, but that changes too. So, um, they work on, um, entry and exit. Um, they tighten it up a couple numbers, uh, four cars stayed out the 45, 23, 19 and 77. Uh, they got six minutes to work on the car. Um, Jonathan tells them the tires look really good which is kind of cool, but they do get, they do get, uh, fresh tires, which is smart here. Somebody else doesn't do this later on. Um, <laughs> Ryan, here's a, here's a great one. Ryan asked for a tear off. Now we're watching the in-car camera, right? And I don't know if you remember this or not, but when they took that tear off, wow, what a difference. It was like night and day. Um, I know it's the dirt on the tear off, but boy, when they did that, I'm like, wow, it's like, he's got no window there. All of a sudden it's so, so clear. Like and road, went, road courses and Dar- and places like Darlington, yeah, they pull that tear off off, and you're like, "Whoa, we're back in HD again." <laughs> yeah, and um, somebody was over there. I might, might have been Raymond Fox, actually. The third uh, was squirting, and uh, and he got the Windex on there, and or you know, and clean that sucker off even some more. Um, so we're going to choose here. The forty-five takes the top. Ryan is in ninth. He takes the bottom. We restart, of course, at lap seventy-six. Um, sorts out the P ten here. Um, and then we get a caution at lap 82 for the 13. Um, Johnson says, uh, be cautious with fuel. Now this, once again, is like at the next stage break, are they just going to stay out and run the rest of the race? Uh, P10 for the cone, leader of the 45 takes top, Ryan takes the top, restart lap 87, he's up to eighth. And then we get a caution at lap 89 for the 34 car on his spinorama. You spin me right round. Okay. I'll stop. That's going to be the first of many. (laughs) <laughs> for yeah, him <laughs> for him um josh tells me that was a good restart by the way you know and uh ryan says they dialed up some rear brake in there so that's what he was doing to help himself a little bit uh he's an eighth here for the choose uh, takes the top ryan takes the bottom and they restart uh, he gains a row doing this so once again now he's uh, enough guys aren't taking the bottom. So he takes the bottom and moves all the way up to like what I think would be one, two, three, four, fifth, I think at that point. So restart lap 95, sorts out to P7 here. And then lap 97, we get a, uh, the 99 spinning with no caution, but the 22 is smoking. Uh, 16 has damage. Um, at lap 100, he passes the 41. He's up to sixth. At lap 103, um, the 41 uh, passes Ryan here. He's in the seventh. The, um, oh, I'm sorry. There's a caution for the uh, 41. The Ryan's up to seventh. I'm sorry. So, okay, we do the choose now for 45 takes the top. Ryan takes the bottom. He gains a row again on this. Um, Jonathan and Ryan back and forth discuss the RCR cars and how they're able to run a higher line. Um, and they're talking about the throttle pickup coming off the higher line. We get a restart lap 112, sorts out to eighth here, but it's three wide uh, during this. At lap 115, he's up to six, though. At lap 118, he's battling back and forth the 20 between sixth and seventh. Um, at lap 124, he's battling the 14 between seventh and eighth. So he's, he's lost a spot, but he's still battling. At lap 126, we had a caution for the six car. Ryan's in seventh, and the 45 is still leading at this point. Uh, Ryan uh, talks about uh, trying to get better in the high lane. Um, I don't know if I'll have this in the notes later on, but I'm going to say it now. Uh, TV at this point um, notices that big rut in uh, three and four. And Ryan 
as the race goes on, uses that more and more. And actually, I think there is a comment coming later on about that. Uh, we'll get to. Um, for the choose of this one, uh, 45 takes the top, Ryan takes the bottom, he gains a row again. So we restart lap 132. He sorts out to seventh on this restart. And um, at lap 135, he's an eighth. Lap 136, he's he's back to 11th. Um, so things kind of sorting out not too good here. I may have had a bobble even, uh, but he's racing the 48 and the 31. Um, at lap 140, he passes both of them, gets to ninth. So he gets his rhythm back. Uh, the eight is leading at this point. So the eight, eight got to the lead. At uh, 142, the 45 takes the lead back. So um, lap 146, the 10 car passes. Ryan's in, in eighth. Uh, lap 150, the 45 wins the stage, and Ryan is in eighth. Um, Jonathan and Ryan talk about plowing tight here and the strategy changes. So, um, they go ahead and pit and nine cars stay out. So, um, the swing that they took was a big swing based on the fact that they thought they were going to stay out the whole time. And they decided that it was a little too much. So they go ahead and pit. They're going to get the fresh tires, too, by doing this. Um, and Jonathan says, we're going to go back on the changes. I'm going to wedge a little bit more. Um, and I, I didn't have it in the notes here, but this is the this is the five-car actually pits now, too. And for some, I don't know, you, should I use the word stupid reason? <laughs> um, it doesn't take tires. I know the guy's confident in his abilities as a dirt car driver. Um, you know, he's probably the best sprint car driver on the planet. Um, and definitely the best sprint car driver in NASCAR. Yeah. But why wouldn't you take tires? I think he was really, really happy with the handling of his car at that moment. And he probably just didn't want to mess with anything. Um, I do think the right call was made by the, the 12 team. Now I know the 20 stays out here and, we know what kind of happens in the end, but I think that mm-hmm. happened for different reasons. But I think with the way Ryan's car was handling at this moment, why not come in, change the tires, and make any other adjustments that that you can? Because this is a long run to the finish here. This isn't a short stage, so no. A couple things, and we'll get to it, what happens to Ryan at the end, and everybody knows that at this point. It's not a spoiler, but NASCAR makes a huge deal of the finish, and all the dirt car guys at the finish. And they make a huge deal of a couple of the cars that stayed out. But what we see before that last caution that, 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 uh, you know, is Ryan passes a bunch of guys and it's a couple things. One, he didn't, he did pit and they did make changes Two, the guys who didn't pit were having problems. They were having problems. The tires were getting bad. They were trying to run a high lane. You saw guys slap on the wall. Ryan was running consistent laps and getting past them. So really, really in the long run, eight more laps would have been real interesting to see. Um, but we'll get to that here in a couple minutes here. Um, so we are like 15th for the choose now because of those cars that uh, that stayed out. The leader is the 20. He takes the top. Ryan takes the bottom. And Ryan gains a row on this. They restart lap 151. Sorts out to about 13th by lap 153. At lap 156, we get a caution for the five. You know, which that's a, that's a continuation up. from a, an incident earlier in the race. And I mean, you mentioned a couple of times about Ryan battling with the 41. 
the 41 was running everybody extremely hard all race long. And that's not something I want to like complain about, but you know, he got, he got squeezed into the wall by the five early in the race, I think because of that. And I described it to you as like, I'm like, man, he's like tailgating everybody. Like he would run the same line as everybody else and just, you know, stay like an inch off their bumper, like the entire time. Like, I don't know if he just wanted people to get out of the way and not actually try to pass or whatever. He made the five a little bit mad. And then in, in this instance, um, he, uh, he may or may not. And then he may or may not have, um, made some, a retaliatory move because in that early deal with the five, the, the 41 actually broke or bent a toe link that they had to replace later on in the race. And mm-hmm. so now they're back around in the back running together. 41 kind of squeezes the five up into the wall this time. And it looked like the five maybe came down to show his displeasure and then wrecked himself. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Uh, that was interesting. The, the the driver of the forty one, I have a lot of respect for on the on the on the modified side. He's you know a prolific modified racer. Um, he's he's pretty popular in the grassroots level, but he is uh, he's really testy. He, he gets <laughs> gets a little bit angry. He's he's gotten angry in the in the truck series. He ran a couple of races last year and and got wrecked uh, out of some wins and. He's not afraid to put people on blast. So, but he was also one of the first drivers here to test this uh, post Denny Hamlin. Uh, penalty mm-hmm. um, deal to where, you know, he said he just got loose. I just got loose. Mm-hmm. I got loose. Um, so we choose here. The leader of the point takes the top. Brian takes the top. Uh, they restart. Uh, like I said, there's four wide sometimes at this point. The restarts at lap 161. By lap 166, Ryan is still 12th. At lap 168, he's battling the 8 and the 45. Gets to 11th. At lap 172, he passes the one car, gets to 10th. At lap 176 uh, is for the five car and the 41 hitting the five. So actually, there's where they hit each other. Um, I think earlier was just a spin out. I think this is the thing where they question the tires. Uh, up to 11th here, the leader um, is the 20. He takes the top. Ryan takes the top. They restart lap 181. Three wide again with the 24 and the 45. And um, at lap 190, Ryan says he thinks he may have a tire going down and he thinks the 45 hit him and he cut it um so all of a sudden like i'm on high alert we're watching that camera carefully um but uh no we just keep racing and uh that's that's a good news <laughs> uh lap 195 he passes the 34 he's up to 10th at lap 197 he passes the 10 he's up to ninth at lap 200 we a caution for the 42 car then here it is ryan talks about hitting the bump in three and using it to help drive off and he makes a comment about it getting a a a, a concussion <laughs> because he's hitting his head as he does it. Um, don't know if he's hitting his head on the roof or hitting his head just in the in the in the seat. But um, yeah, he's hitting it pretty hard. But he is using it the way they were talking on TV. He's one of the main guys that was going in there, making sure he got into it just right with the with the right rear and helping set the car and helping his drive off. The other thing with that rut just in general with the way it, it works out sometimes is there's the reason it's there is, is because there's some moisture there. So that's just another spot. I mean, at this point in the race, that track is super slicked up. You could mm-hmm. see early in the race, it's like this reddish orange dirt. By this point, it looks almost like a blacktop asphalt track yeah. with dirt on the sides. Yeah. But in that, down up. in that rut, it wasn't picking up as much of that slick stuff. And it was still a little bit of moisture in there. And on a dirt race there, where there's moisture, there's grip. And like mm-hmm. he said, he's he's digging down into there to get drive off out through that corner. 
Yeah, there was a couple comments on social media, and I don't know if they're being funny or maybe they just don't know. They're like, oh, they wore it all the way down to the track. All the dirt's gone. Like, uh, I think they're being serious. A couple of them are like, no, 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 that's rubber. That's rubber that's that's actually accumulated. Uh, so we're P9 for the choose here. Uh, the 20 takes the top. Ryan takes the top here. And they're restarting at lap 207. So the laps are running down now. And this is the fun part of the race for me. And, and you know, it could have stayed green. I would have been happy with it here. At lap 209, he's up to eighth. By lap 210, he's in sixth. Lap 215, the 14 is battling the 20 for the lead. At lap 220, he's catching the 38 and the 3. At lap 221, he passes the 38. He's up to 5th. Uh, the 20 is still leading here, but at lap 225, he passes the 14. He's up to 4th. He's just picking guys off. This is so Picking fun guys off. And this is fun because he's he's in that middle lane. He's doing what we're talking about where he's getting that back end and he's setting it and taking off. And you're watching the guys trying to run this high line. And it, it it's it's fun to watch when it's working right. And and the TV notices that the guys are slapping the tail in on the wall. They're slapping it on the wall. And you can do that if you gently do it. But yeah. a lot of guys are literally slapping it. And when they're slapping it, they're losing the momentum. And and this is the guys. These are guys Ryan's passing. Lap 227, same thing. Three car. Slaps the wall. Ryan goes by him. P3. So 230, um, we're about three seconds back of the lead, and we're starting to catch. Um, watching it was it, coming. Two, I thought he had a chance two, at second, at least. Two to two to three tenths. We're starting to catch these guys, and, and we've got two guys in front of them um, with the 45 and the 20 who, if somebody pointed out in the Discord just in the last, last day or so, they could have taken each other out. That's the other thing. And Ryan has been a beneficiary of that before. We, we You know, the Roval where two really skilled talented drivers tried to try to take you know tried to take it and then took each other so that's all i was watching for let's get to these next 20 some laps and see what happens you know um but at lap 235 we get caution for the eight Ugh, and this is a we didn't talk about this that much um but i almost feel like in this race there was too many cautions and not enough cautions. And it's just such a weird thing to say. And maybe we, we could we could have waited another couple minutes and got into this more. But very early on in this race, they were quick trigger on, on yeah. throwing a caution for maybe some stuff they didn't need to. And then I think they over-adjusted. And then they just stopped throwing them for some things. But then this one was kind of a mystery because the eight actually spins down onto pit road. And for the most part at the second half of this race, if somebody spun, so we talked about the 34 spinning, mm-hmm. I think he mm-hmm. did that two more times after that. And they didn't throw cautions because caution. he kept moving. Um, the mm-hmm. five spun to the bottom of the track. Didn't keep moving. They threw a caution. So I'm like, okay, I guess I can kind of see if, if you just stop and you're not going to make an attempt to keep going, they'll, they'll throw a caution. Um, but the eight here spins and keeps and he spins down to toward pit road and keeps going towards pit road and they throw a caution here and it was just kind of devastating for me because Ryan's picking guys off he's up to third he's gaining on second and I thought maybe he'd have a chance to get into the in, get into the picture for the final couple laps mm-hmm. or capitalize on a dive bomb by the second place car like we saw last year last year um, and when Kyle Busch picked up the victory so I thought you know we were robbed from from a, a really good finish here if things would have just played out naturally and it's difficult. I understand the guy that's up in the tower has a lot of uh, he or she has a lot on their shoulders on deciding these cautions or not, but man, that would have been one. I probably would have held the flag on. Yeah. Um, Ryan says already, let's go get it. Um, the, the optimism and the excitement's all there because you know that anything can happen from this position. The best part is watching choose cone on the camera because 
the way it usually works is um, Josh will tell Ryan we're 10th for the juice. Okay. And then Josh, Josh counts out one bottom, two bottom, three bottom, four bottom. So Ryan knows like, okay, so if it's up to him and it's four bottom, then if he goes bottom at that point, he'll be fifth bottom. He'll be ninth instead of 10th, you know? So that's generally how it works. Of course, there's only two cars in front of Ryan. Yep. And Josh doesn't really have to say anything. And as I'm watching it, okay, we, the 20 goes to the right. The 45 goes to the right. <laughs> All of a sudden, Ryan's on the front row. And I'm thinking, oh, this is Michigan two years yeah, ago. Yeah, I was going right? to say Michigan. And he said, we said thank you at that point, right? <laughs> That's right. And I said thank you. Um, so, um, I see, you know, I see on Twitter and, uh, you know, talking to you, Ryan's words, like you said, over the radio, he was probably as pumped up as he's been all year long. Um, yeah. well, like excited, like excited for this opportunity because they've had so many things like take it away from them this year. He had a chance to take it into his own hands, mm-hmm. make his own destiny here and to restart on the front row with, you know, just a handful of laps left in this race. Yeah. And it, it, the excitement was kind of palpable. And it's like, that's one of those points where I'm up off the couch because, um, I just can't, <laughs> I just get so nervous for what's about to happen. And it's just, you know, excited that, you know, you know, you have a talented race car driver like Ryan with a shot at to win in a race that he was just picking off every car in front of him. The, the best part now is, okay, so you took the 20 car and the 45 took the high lane, right? They're both running the high lane, these last bunch of laps. That's where their grip is. That's where their drive off is. That's where they're running. So first off, I'm thinking if Ryan can get to the turns three and four and be able to hit that rut, like he's been hitting it and getting the run, well, he's already two tenths of fast. He's been the last 10 laps going into this two tenths faster than the leaders. He was catching them. Now, three seconds behind them, he wasn't going to catch him by the end of the race, but he was catching him at that point. So now all of a sudden he's that much closer to them able to do that plus you've got two guys in the high lane who both been running in the high lane one of them's going to figure out how to get underneath the other one or around the other one once again could have two of them hit each other get right by them take the lead maybe maybe not have a flag maybe have a flag and one restart whatever all the things are there all the things are there so we restart lap four two forty two and uh you know, Jonathan actually says eight more laps of fun. <laughs> yeah. And and then I use an expletive in my notes here that I cannot read on the air because it's a family show. But the 14, um, what did he call it? He called it himself. He called it an idiot move. An idiot move. An idiot move. Uh, he was told numerous times, he says, not to go over those bumps and all this other crap, which are just excuses. And you know what they say about excuses? Yeah. Right? Everybody has one. And they all stink. Um, this is lack of respect again. This is just like road course racing again, okay? We're all bunched up. We got nowhere to go. We're going to try and bump the guy in front of us and see if he'll move, if he'll wiggle, if he'll do whatever. Ryan was literally probably going to try to race into three and four to hit that, that rut. He wasn't going to hit anybody. He was going to try to get to that rut and see if he can get that, that kick out of three and four and maybe get nose to nose with the, with the guy above him and maybe race him into three, you know, and maybe get clear of him in a lap or two. And we never got to see any of that. And the whole thing about the inconsistency and the cautions really comes up here too. 
Now, if they were to throw a flag here for a caution, it doesn't really help Ryan one bit. It re-racks no. him. It re-racks him, but it puts them in the back. It gives us a, a green-white checker probably because it would have taken a couple laps to set the field and all that crap. So whether there was a caution or not really doesn't help anything anything anyway. He got it righted. He got back on the lead lap. He got himself uh he got himself a 23, 23rd place finish out of it, which is not where it should have been. If he finishes second or third, that's where it should have been. If he had a chance to race for the lead, that's where it should have been. People can make excuses for the 14 and he can apologize all he wants. Um, he's which, expecting reta- he's expecting retaliation too, which is kind of funny, which tells me something because he might've went to Ryan in private and Ryan might've told him something um, for him to expect retaliation too. So um, 20 car does win the race, by the way, <laughs> well, we're, we're talking about our misery. Um, and we, we Ryan, mentioned that the dirt guys, you know, I think it was like six out of the top 10 were guys that were, were heavy, yeah. heavy on dirt. You know, Ryan would have spoiled the party up there by being the one that yep. wasn't. Um, one one thing to talk about the 14 that's been brought up on some other podcasts that gave us a little bit more insight is the fact that they're talking about his radio prior to that restart. And he said something over the radio, like uh, slingshot engaged uh, right before the restart. And after he makes the, his, his self-described idiot move, he's coming on and asking his spotter, like, did Ryan just stop in the middle of the corner? He, you know, he hit him and stopped. Right. And his spotter came back on and um, it's, it's funny. I don't know if it's still funny now, but it's something Mm -hmm. Um, and said, no, I think it was a little too much slingshot. (laughs) And um, he said it was basically kind of quiet after that. So Mm -hmm. um, the only thing I heard as, as far as any communication, you know, I wanted, I'm like, I wanted a camera on the 12th. Uh, the driver mm-hmm. of the 12 to see if he was going to make that that stroll from the back of pit road all the way up to the front because the the five or the 14 ends up finishing in the top five. So um, mm-hmm. I it did hear on the Sirius XM post-race show, they did say that Ryan and Chase talked on pit road, but they didn't elaborate on any of that. They just said they, you know, they had, they said they had some words, but he didn't say it in a way of like, no, oh, they had words. Like, no, they just, they talked after and, um, I don't know. I, I see, I've seen a lot of stuff in response to this. You know, it's funny how social media gets where, you know, people are blaming, they're, they're blaming Ryan for this because they say, you know, he's not aggressive enough. And I'm like, I don't know if you've been paying attention this year, but Ryan's been uh, way, he's turned the aggression scale up like to 300% this year compared mm-hmm. to what he used to do. I don't know what here's they want. The, I don't want to see Ryan go down pit road and deck him. Like, I don't here's know. the, here's the difference too about aggression scale. Okay. When we've seen Ryan use the bumper, He's used it properly. He's used it as I'm the faster car. You know, I'm the faster car. I'm coming up on you. And the reason I'm able to hit you is because I'm the faster car. Get out of the way. That's the proper way to use the bumper. Okay. It's not just like, I'm going to use the bumper any chance I get, because if I get you to wiggle, I can get by you. And that's the difference. That's the difference. The respect factor. That's the difference of the drivers. The 14 just got big doughy eyes because he was near the front and he thought he could, if I maybe, and really truthfully, I bet you this is what he really thought because he made excuses on the radio, but he really thought if I could move Ryan up into the two guys above him, yep. I can pass all three of them. Yep. That's what he thought. And, and, and then once again, I, <laughs> we talked about waiting a day or two to do the podcast and maybe I can calm down, but no, it didn't, it didn't work. <laughs> 
It did not work. I'm really still mad at this guy. But what you said about aggression is true. Ryan is aggressive. He's had more aggression. We've seen it because of the in-car camera. But the difference is you come up on somebody, you're running better lap times than them. You are having a problem getting around them because they're blocking your line. You hit them once and you hit them twice and you're not trying to wreck them. You're trying to wiggle them a little maybe, but you're not trying to wreck them and you're trying to let them know, hey, dude, I've been patient long enough. I'm faster than you and you'll see when I get around you. And that's generally what happens too. When Ryan gets around whoever it is, within two laps, he's three, four, five tenths in front of him all of a sudden. So, you know, there's a way of being aggressive and using aggression, but it's only when it's proper. Yeah. A lot of these things, there's these, a lot of these things that's happening. They're all happening at the end of these races when you get a late caution and then everybody thinks, well, if I move a couple of guys out of the way, I can get the better finish. And it just, it's rude. Yeah. And I don't know what people want. I mean, I'll say what Ryan does is calculated aggression. I think that's what you're describing. I saw yeah, a lot of people word. wanting him to storm down pit road and go fight the 14. Uh, they want him to, you know, go dump them at Martinsville. You know, all I have to say is how's that working out? for guys that have been doing that the last, you know, 10 or so years. One, you just turn a whole fan base against you. Um, I mean, I like the fact that we go to races and Ryan gets overwhelmingly cheered. I don't, I don't want to go there and have him, you know, we talked about, you know, Joey being a nice guy and everything. Joey's made a lot of mistakes early on in his career that turned a lot of people against him. I don't want Ryan coming out for driver intros and getting booed. I don't want him to be that, you know, none, none of the Blaney drivers, are guys that are out, outwardly going out there after a race and, and getting in physical altercations with people. So, and I think the closest thing we've ever even seen with Ryan, I think it was what a discussion he had with, I think it was Kevin Harvick after a race once where, you know, maybe just mild shoves, not even a shove, like a, mm-hmm. a chest tap. I don't even know what to call it. That's about the closest that Ryan's gotten to fighting. And it just, I don't know. It's funny to me to see how, how angry other people get and then toward turn their anger toward Ryan for not being angry enough. And, um, I don't know. I'd rather see this calculated aggression. I think that's what keeps him consistent. That's what keeps him in the yeah. hunt for championships the last couple of years. And um, we know that just there's a, there's a few things here and there that that he needs to do to get to that next level. And I'd rather see that than see him focused on, you know, who's the who's the guy he needs to get payback on or, or things like that. So, yeah, this week, this, this week in Martinsville is a great place for this to watch this, too. Um, you'll see guys who who will get bumped out and I don't want to say bumped out of the way where they spin them out, but they'll get bumped and a lap later they'll get bumped and another lap later they'll get bumped. And the reason is, is because I'm faster than you. I'm getting to getting off the corner better than you are. That's why I'm able to get to you. And, um, you know, they do it enough to the point that, you know, whether the spotter has to go tell the other spotter or something, but they'll get out of the way. Most of the guys race that way during the regular part of the race. It's always the end of the race where this stupidness happens. So just to put a bow on this weekend at Bristol on the dirt there, um, this is the third year in a row they've run on dirt on Bristol. This is the second year in a row they've run it on Easter weekend. Uh, from comments pre-race, post-race, I would say a majority of the drivers are against this race happening on Easter weekend. A lot of them seem on the same page about that. And then I would say they're about split maybe 50-50 on running dirt in general. Um, there are some vocal people like Kyle Larson that said, you know, they they're asking him throughout the weekend if if they should do this race again. And he said, no, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be running this at Bristol. And then they said, oh, what track would you want to go to? And then he said, we shouldn't be running on dirt at all. Um, you know, Christopher Bell is pretty pumped. He just won the race. You know, he's saying, you know, it's won it over. You know, a lot of those guys and I think success has to go into this. 
Um, they've, they said that they really enjoy the race. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I, I'll share mine as well on whether this race, I mean, there's a couple of things here. Are, are you good with the whole running on Easter thing? I thought when we attended there last year, they did a really good job as far as, you know, for people that are faithful, um, that, that celebrate Easter for religious reasons had, you know, a church service to go to, and they had a huge concert and everything involved in that. I thought they did a really good job with that. As far as at track things, they run it at night to try to give people, time to celebrate the holiday in the morning. So the, the Easter thing doesn't bother me as that much, but I know it, it bothers a lot of people in the industry. Uh, but what are your thoughts kind of on this, this weekend overall? And, and should they continue it at Bristol? Should they move it? Should they scrap dirt altogether? I think um, I like the dirt period. I, I think that having one race on dirt is really a cool thing. I think that um, these guys are good enough. And I, I know this race had, a, had a bunch of, dirt guys near the front but ryan would have spoiled that party if he was in there and ryan could have won the thing really realistically um so these guys really show off how good they are you know kyle bush you know was running third and then he won the thing last year so joey once again not a dirt guy won it the first year but the real reality is is i also like bristol as a whole and having two Bristol races on the regular surface is great. Um, both of them, you know, one during the day, one at night was always a good thing. Um, NASCAR will tell you the attendance was down at the, the spring race, no matter what. And it's still down. Um, can we get to a dirt track, a regular dirt track, a dirt track that, you know, can we get back to Eldora? Could, would, would Eldora be big enough to handle uh, the cup series? You know, uh, I would like to see that. Um, as far as Easter goes, if we have to race on a holiday of some sort like that, why don't we just do it Saturday night? What what would hurt a Saturday night race and then that way Easter Sunday we're off? Um, I, that part I don't get either. You know, I know the industry itself is, is you know, they're only getting one off weekend. Although the, the dirt race, um, because of the way pit stops are, the pit crews get the weekend off um which is nice for them um but why not why not make it somewhere on the east coast once again somewhere close to um you know north carolina anyway and do it on saturday night so that on sunday you know they're gone and i'm just saying a race in general i'm not saying a dirt race um but just a a saturday night race somewhere on the east coast so that these guys can get back home for easter you know, and what's wrong with Saturday night racing this early in the year too? What else is going on on a Saturday night in the fall? I know it's tough because you've got college football on Saturday nights. Um, but right now, you know, as long as the weather is not a major factor more than anything else, you know? So, so yeah, I, I, the only thing I, w- I would say is if uh, let's, let's do, let's keep doing dirt, but let's do it at a dirt track one time a year. I don't care what Larson said. Larson I hate to say this. He looks like an idiot. And I say that because there he's had three chances to win this thing. He's the best guy on dirt in a sprint car and he can't win it. And he was run good. He's run really well, but then made some, he, some aggressive he's, mistakes. I think. He's yeah. He has made mistakes, yep. his own mistakes. And that's why he's like, well, we shouldn't do it now, nah, buddy. You should start to man up a little bit and win one of these darn things. Joey Logano won one. What's that tell you? Joe Gano might be a better driver than you overall. Maybe. So he did I'll win tell the you, championship. 
recently. Yeah. <laughs> I um I agree with you mostly on, on a few of those points there. One, I thought, like I said at the top of the show, this race was incredibly exciting, incredibly entertaining. Um, guys running all three lanes. You like you said, three wide, four wide. And this four wasn't wide. only just on restarts. Like this was happening throughout the race. There was people coming coming and going. There was strategy with people staying out, um, people pitting. Um, I think it had almost everything that you would want it. And I even saw like some of the people that are normal kind of detractors of this race saying, uh, you know what? I don't like that. It's on Easter and I don't like that. It's on this Sunday or this time of year and all this stuff. But you know, it, it, the race was actually pretty good. Um, I think compared to the first race, I think the next gen car actually, which I don't did not see this coming. I think the next gen car races a lot better on dirt than the, uh, gen six car did previously. So I think that's helped out a lot. Um, Next point that I agree with you on, I'd rather see this at a at a purpose-built dirt track, and not because I think the race will be any better. I think what we saw is probably about as good as it's going to get, and if it was like that everywhere else, that's awesome. Um, but I would just rather see it on, an, on a purpose-built dirt track that's already out there that maybe NASCAR can give a little bit of money to to upgrade some yeah. facilities. Uh, like they've well, done. It's too, it's, it's too bad. Sharon, it's, it's too bad. Sharon Speedway is a little bit bigger. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We would, they would take over the, uh, the town of Hartford, Ohio, if they were to, mm-hmm. to, to try to do a NASCAR race there. But I think Eldora yeah. has the space. I think they definitely have the capacity to do it. I don't know if NASCAR is cool with a majority of fans, you know, sitting on, on camping chairs up on a hill. Um, the place that could easily hold it, but I think would result in a horrible race is Knoxville. Like Knoxville has a ton of grandstand space and suites and, and everything that you would need to probably hold a race. And they've held truck races there just like Eldora has as well. But I just don't think with the ways that tr- the way that the trucks ran there, Eldora or Knoxville is a lot more, you know, it doesn't have as high banking, nearly as high banking at all as, as Bristol does or that Eldora does. So I'd rather see them. I want them to keep a dirt race on the schedule. I think it's highly entertaining. I don't want it to be at Bristol because I want two races on the concrete at Bristol. When you talked about TV or you didn't talk about TV, when you talk about running this on a Saturday night, it's absolutely because Fox does not want to run this on a Saturday night. We saw even during the pandemic when there was no sports, but NASCAR, they'd run Saturday night races. They ran races during the week at night and the TV ratings tanked. And that was when there was like nothing on TV to compete against. They just, they don't even know, like people can't really even explain what what's happening and why Saturday night races aren't necessarily working. Now the Bristol night race has a lot of clout to it, I think and prestige and people will tune into that in mass. So that's still on a Saturday day, uh, Saturday night right now. They did this whole Easter thing. I think just because the way the calendar was falling and, um, outside of it being Masters Week, which did wrap up early, it was the only thing on TV in prime time on a holiday when a lot of people are at home. Um, the TV ratings came out for this year. Last year, this race got about 4 million viewers. This year, it was 3.5 million. So we lost f- about 500,000 viewers on this. So, I mean, maybe there is something to, I don't know what what the figures were on other Saturday night races, but I think it's if you want to know why they're not running it on Saturday night, it's because Fox doesn't want to do it. Well, I think the TV, something is wrong because the TV ratings are down consistently every week right now. So as far as that goes, I I, I don't know what they got to do, but they got to do something different. Um, they've already tricked up the sport to begin with, with all kinds of different things to try to help the TV viewership. Stage racing to be, as a whole was an idea to help, you know, give the, 
give the brewer, uh, viewers a snack break and, and a pee break and a, you know, the thing that, that kind of, and then stage racing. So it gave you extra racing within the racing and, you know, all these different things. And, um, at first these things did work and they took off. Now, um, the ratings are just down as a whole, the whole season, every week I hear about ratings and, and they're all down no matter what they've done. So I don't know what to do to help that. And that's and honestly, that's not necessarily just a NASCAR problem. I know I understand the NBA has ticked up a little bit this year, um, but almost everything else is down. Baseball's down. Even the NFL last year, which has monster ratings, was a tick down a little bit, but not like, I mean, their ratings are so outrageous that <laughs> it doesn't necessarily matter that much. So it's kind of an industry trend overall. So I don't know what the answer it is, what, what it is for TV, but Honestly, 3.5 million viewers is still a ton. <laughs> so it's not like mm-hmm. they did bad. Yeah. Um, they just didn't do as good as last year. And I don't know. I get the, it, it seems to be, um, you know, Marcus Smith, they were interviewing him over the weekend. That's the, you know, the you know president of SMI is, is kind of saying he wouldn't say. So the other two years, they're like, yeah, we're coming back. We're doing dirt. We're coming back doing dirt. They're really excited from the first year to second to do it. Um, this time they're like, ah, we're still talking it through. Um so I think there's some things that could happen in the future there. Uh, we talked a little bit offline about maybe, you know, is is it outrageous enough to think that they would ever take the spring Bristol date and give it to Nashville Fairgrounds? Um, there's a lot of legal hoops and government hoops they have to run through to even be able to renovate the fairgrounds and bring that back as a viable track for the Cup Series. But could they ever take this date and move it there? I don't know. They own Nashville Super Speedway, so maybe the logical thing would just be to take that date. So. I don't know. I'll just say, be careful what you wish for, because if if the attendance, if they do go to concrete next year and the attendance is down, um, they're not afraid. I mean, I know Bristol might be one of those sacred cows, but I don't think the spring race is. So they're not afraid to move that around to somewhere else. Um, Chicago, say the Chicago street course race goes really well and they want to take that date and give it back to road America. Um, you know, what if they, what if, you know, a Bristol date goes away? Just so be careful what you wish for um, if you if you uh, really want to see this this race go away. Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it's going anywhere, to tell you the truth. It may just lose the dirt between now and then. Um, uh, one more thing about the ratings, and, and I probably should have said this during the during that whole rant. It's that uh, ratings are down as a whole every year, year to year, because there's more out there. There's 60 new channels that pop up. Um, people are watching TikTok like crazy now, uh, by the way, you know, we have a TikTok. What? Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's just so much more to do. And like you said about that rating is still a good rating. It's true. That rating is really still a good rating. Cause you compare it to, um, back in the day when there was only four channels or three channels or your cable box only had 13 channels. Um, it's totally different now. Everybody's cable box or their satellite has a hundred some channels and they could pay-per-view something and you could watch a, a first run movie now out of your house. So yeah, ratings are, ratings are kind of weird to look at. Um, you say they're down from last year to this year, but from last year to this year, things have changed to, to a certain extent. So uh, it's an ever moving target, I guess, too. Yeah. And NASCAR still this year, this time of year before football starts, um, is still winning the weekend pretty consistently on viewership. You know, the, the Cup Series race has been the most watched thing over the weekend. Um, it did get blown out of the water because of the Masters falling on the same day, which I think the Masters yeah. got 12 or 13 million, but that's, you, you're not, you're not going to beat the Masters. So um, it's still, like you said, it's still a good rating. It's, again, it's not funny, but you, just that echo chamber that 
Twitter and social media is, is they'll see the ratings down a little bit and, oh, NASCAR is dead. It's not the same it used to be, yada, yada, yada. It's because it's on dirt and they hate the old fan. But what are you going to do? Um, so let's talk about the NASCAR Cup Series standings. Um, things have bounced around so much. Um, as we're going into this this uh, group of standings here, you have Alex Bowman and William Byron that have once again lost, what is it now, 60 points <laughs> after oh, they've got their 100 points back. So now they're basically down, or NASCAR got their, I don't know, they got, they got 40 points back from their original 100 point. It's all jumbled up in this whole uh, conspiracy that somehow... Um, we could go on another rant about uh, that whole that that whole deal, um, but it's helped Ryan in the standings, I guess, a little bit here because Bowman is back down below him. So after this race at Bristol, which could have been a you know a big swing in the points for Ryan, unfortunately, as you said, he finished twenty third in the race on the dirt, um, currently in the tenth position in the NASCAR Cup Series standings, seventy points back from the leader, and it's a new leader this week, and that's your winner from Bristol, Bristol, and that's Christopher Bell. Um, where, where does where does add add twenty points to Ryan? See where that puts him. Um, that would put him up in like fifth, sixth, or seventh, like around that, that range. Yeah, because so. because third place to twenty third place. That's all. That's all I'm doing there. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, like he would have been. Yeah, it's a big. It would have been a pretty big swing in points there for him if he was able to get that second or third place finish in this race. And obviously, if the leaders would have magical world taken themselves out, and he got a win, it'd be even better. So, mm-hmm. um, but still. I mean, it's, it's again, not funny, but it's crazy with all the bad luck we could call it, whatever you want to call it, mistakes that have been made this year with this team still in the top 10 in points. And that's with a lack of severe lack of stage points, which mm-hmm. is kind of the opposite of what they were doing last year. So still hanging around the top 10, 70 points back. It's not the 20 and 30 that we really wish we were. Maybe it's not leading the points like he was at points last year, but I'm still well within striking distance of two back-to-back races where you get stage points and good finishes. You can shoot right back up the leaderboard uh, here. Um, We mentioned going to Martinsville Speedway this weekend uh, for the NASCAR Cup Series race. If you want to tune in to the weekend action here, it kicks off on Friday with the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series race at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on FS1. Then we move to Saturday, and we have Cup Series practice and qualifying at 4.35 p.m. Eastern time. And unfortunately for Steve and some other folks out there, it's on FS2. Uh, The practice... I'm sorry. The cup practice is Friday, isn't it? Saturday. Cup oh, practice is Saturday practice. at 4 35 PM Eastern time. Um, Friday is just uh, ex- uh, truck practice, Xfinity oh. practice and the truck series race. I thought I read it different. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought and I then, read um, the practice was one day and the qualifying was the next day. Yeah. So you can catch practice for or practice and qualifying for the cup series Saturday, 4 35 PM Eastern time on FS2. Um, but the Xfinity Series race, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on FS1. And then Sunday, the big race, race day starts at 2 p.m., uh, 3 p.m. Eastern for the NASCAR Cup Series race on FS1. Uh, right now for Sunday, the forecast is in the 70s with the 50% chance of rain, according to um, NASCAR reporter and meteorologist and uh, light uh turn or light keeper bob pockers so uh, i don't know what to say um he's got, have, he's got a he's got a tiktok too 
So it's it's interesting the fact that it's in the seventies this year. Is this the race that you did you go to this race last year when it was, last year it was snowy like and rainy? Twenty eight degrees and yeah. snowed on us. So they're saying calling for a beautiful temperatures in the seventies there in Martinsville, but there's a fifty percent chance of rain as of today. Um Ryan's mm. what's dad, it looking like for Saturday? Because Saturday's the big day. Saturday's the big day because it sets the field. If he doesn't have qualifying, they use the matrix and that's yeah. not good. And, and um, for this race on a short track at Martinsville, you don't want to start in the back. Right now, 20% chance of rain. Still in the 70s, so still much warmer. And honestly, if we're we're talking about a new short track package going to Martinsville here and a little bit warmer temperatures, that might mm-hmm. result in a really good race, hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, so Ryan Blaney at Martinsville Speedway, I think we've said this a couple of times uh, in the last few racetracks that we've been at, especially when they went to Phoenix and then... Uh, he had Bristol Dirt here where Ryan finished really well. One of his best tracks statistically is Martinsville. Average start of 7.8, average finish of 9.7. Uh, he has seven top fives, eight top tens in 14 starts. He has one pull from the, the spring race of the 2020 season. Um, his last several races here um, will go all the way back to 2019 just because the finishes are so good. Fourth, fifth, second, second, 11th, 11th, fourth, and third. So he's coming into this race um, after finishing in the top five in both races of 2022. Um, in 2021, he led 157 laps. Um, and I think they unfortunately had a pit road miscue there that kind of stopped them from having a shot at winning that race. Um, the pit crews are back this week. We had a pit road miscue in the, the previous race before Bristol there. So this is kind of another redemption race here. And, you know, I feel like Ryan has some momentum. I, like we were talking about the way he was talking on the radio before that final restart at Bristol. He was very energetic. He was pumped to have that opportunity to win. And I think he's moving into this race at Martinsville where he just hasn't gotten over the hump yet to get a victory there that he might be in the right mental space. Um, he has a pip crew that's going to come back, come back motivated to prove themselves. Um, and he has a race team with uh, led by crew chief Jonathan Hassler that's bringing really, really fast race cars to the track. And so far with this new uh, short track package, um, they've also still been pretty speedy out there on track. Yeah, I can't wait. Like you said, I can't wait to see what the new package does on this is an actual you know, the half mile, it would look pretty good on the, at Richmond. Uh, let's see what it looks like here. Uh, really worried about the weather on Saturday because I really want them to have a chance to qualify. Uh, we know what uh, what they can do when they practice and qualify. Um, it'd be great to see him start near the front. And uh, we know he's led a lot of laps here, too. Um, there have been, uh, been races. Um, there was a race a couple springs ago where it snowed the day before snowed on the Sunday and then they raced on the Monday and then he led like 200 some laps, you know? Um, so that's, that's uh, what we're really hoping to see is, uh, you get that, uh, get that going, get the confidence going, get the guys going in the right direction, uh, for Sunday. Yeah. So again, if you want to catch this race, uh, Sunday, 3 PM Eastern time on FS one, if you want to tune into practice and qualifying, that's all happening on Saturday, but you have to have FS two access to that channel for 35 PM Eastern time. So for once in the entire first or the third season of the Team Blaney podcast, I am excited to jump back and talk about the results in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. So we'll just make this the longest fantasy segment of all time um, because I actually had a good week for once that still ended up spoiled. So there is an opportunity here. If Ryan finishes in second or third, 
And if Kyle Busch finishes the race up front like he was most of the day, both of them end up spinning in the late stages of this race. I would have blown the entire league away and and come home first without anybody no. close to me, I think. No, yeah. I'd have beat you. Now nah, we'll see. Well, I'd have had, <laughs> I'd have, I'd have had, well, uh, if all that happens and ifs and buts and yeah, Kenny nuts, uh, let me get my ifs and buts. If Kyle Larson uh, doesn't have his issues and Ryan doesn't have his issues, uh, those are two of my guys. Um, I would have won a couple more matchups and uh, yeah, I'd have had about 40 more points too. <laughs> so, so. so let's, uh, let's talk about our guys here. My starting lineup. And I said to you in the middle of this race, when I was in 50th, as they ran, I was like, I don't know how I am in 50th right now when I have an all-star lineup based on the way guys were running in the first couple stages here. I started Austin Dillon, who got me 52 points. Christopher Bell, also 52 points. Tyler Reddick, 48 points. Ryan Blaney got me 23 points. And if he would have finished where he was, that would have been like 43 points. But, but, yep. Kyle Bush got me 19 points. If he'd finished where he was up there, that would have been another 35 to 40 points for me. I had Ryan Priest. Actually, I had Ryan Priest in my starting lineup based on what he was doing in the heats, based on what he was doing in stage one. I had up them, had him up there still. Um, but after uh, after he had his incidents, I dropped, picked Ryan up out of my garage and put him up into the starting lineup there. So I swapped Ryan's, put Priest back in the garage and started Ryan instead. My featured matchups, I picked Logano over Bush. This is the only one I got wrong here, and it was only by a few positions here. Um, I picked Reddick over Suarez. That was correct. I picked Bell over Larson. That was correct. I picked Briscoe over Bowman, and that was correct. So um, I ended up with a total of 224 points, which was – I don't even think that's my highest total of the year. I think – I feel like I've been in the 200-plus category before and still finished outside the top 10. But for this week, that ended up being pretty decent as far as the uh, the top 10 goes. So what did you have? So we already know that you had Kyle Larson in your lineup and you had Ryan in your yeah. lineup. Who else did you have? Yeah. Kyle Busch. I had Kyle Busch too. Um, Austin Dillon, who ended up being the top point getter, actually. He had 52 points. Yep. Um, Tyler Reddick uh, was 48 points. And then, like I said, Larson, Bush, and Blaney. Uh, which is like you said, there's a potential of like 30 plus more points. Um, I finished with like, uh, yeah, 192. So uh, let's give me like 40 more points. And now all of a sudden I'm in the top 10, just like you. Um, I had uh, Kyle Bush over Logano, got that right. I had Tyler Reddick for Suarez, got that right. Larson and Bell, I had Larson that was not correct. And then I had Briscoe over Bowman. So, I got 30, 30 of the 40 possible points there, too. So, yeah, at one point, when these guys were all not in trouble, um, I was looking pretty good in all three of the leagues I was in. So it is one of those things, you know, um, especially you get to the third stage and you can't swap a person. Um, yeah. That's really, really where it gets bad because, um, you know, I may have swapped somebody or not wanted to swap somebody. It was too late. Like Larson getting in trouble in the third stage is no way I could swap to anybody else. So, yeah. And quite honestly, I think we were actually talking about it as I was doing it, but I swapped the Ryans after the stage two during the break there, which I thought at that point, it wouldn't let me change anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was just different because it was the dirt race or it's whatever, different. but it's different because it's the dirt race. And I tell you yeah. why um, the red flag, the dirt race, 
Okay. So if you're watching, if you watch the standings, like, okay, so the nine cars that stayed out, stayed out. Correct. Yeah. If you watch the standings for those nine cars, they did not change until the green flag dropped. That makes to sense. Start the third stage. Um, so it still showed, uh, Tyler Reddick as the leader until they took the green. Gotcha. So yeah, that's exactly why you were able to do that. So I was lucky enough to remember to do it. And it, it was nice enough for you that you actually kind of gave me a reminder anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, to, to make the change. So I swapped the Ryan's that, that was a big move for me. So let's take a look at the, Oh, you're top, welcome. The, the top 10 in points earned here at the Bristol dirt race. Uh, unfortunately for Steve, like he said, with that swing there, he went from running in the top 10 all the way down to 40th in a tie for 40th here, a one, two, three, four, five way tie for 40th. Uh, for the team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League and points earned at Bristol. Um, here we also have a one, two, three, four way tie for ninth with the Dalai Lama four, Epic Chickens 1916, Go RB12, Go 12, Go, all with 221 points in eighth. Uh, the most important team on this list, Team Blaney host Adam, uh, 224 points earned. Uh, in fifth, uh, we have a three way tie for fifth. Um, I think this just means a lot of people uh, went heavy on the the dirt race guys, and that actually worked out this year. Uh, but three-way tie for fifth here with Blaring Idiots, Penske Fan 24, and Dr. Race Chaser, 233 points. Um, it's cool to see Dr. Race Chaser back up here again. He's uh, one of our followers on Twitter. He's also a really good follow on Twitter because he goes to races all over the place and, and posts photos and reports from that. So follow Dr. Race Chaser on Twitter as well. He did a really good week here in the Fantasy League. In the fourth position, Factory of Sadness 6, 235 points. In second, a tie here, JD Racing and Math Mom 4, 243. And outright first position in points earned at Bristol Dirt, Waterbug. 246 points. So I think, like I said, if Ryan, even if it was just Ryan had finished where um, he probably should have finished in second or third, if I add those 20 to mine, I think I'm up there uh, in the outright second position. But as you said, ifs and buts, whatever didn't happen. I still should be pretty happy with the fact that I finally finished in the top 10. I don't think, I think this might be the second time I finished in the top 10 this year, but it's been a very long time since that happened. Must, might have, must have happened in the first or second race of the year. Um, so really good points day for me, but I don't know what that means. I haven't even looked at the overall standings to see where I stand uh, just yet, but I was down in the 40s. So it has bumped me up a little bit. I'm now in the in a tie for the 32nd position in the overall team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League standings with 1,438 points. Hey, you took the lead. You took the lead in the household too. That's yeah. That's the big trophy for me right here. Um, you are still uh, round out the bottom of the top ten here in the tenth position. Mez twelve one thousand five twenty nine. Ninth Eric D fifteen one thousand five forty. Eighth Penske fan twenty four one thousand five forty five. Seventh Frygal twelve fifteen fifty one. Six blaring idiots fifteen fifty two. Tie for fourth here between Go Larson and Christian Dana. 1,559 points in third, the Nutty Gamer, 1,578 in second, Epic Chickens, 1916, 1,583. And the leader in the overall standings of the Team Blade and NASCAR Fantasy Live League is Factory of Sadness 6 with 1,636 points. Uh, pulling away a little bit here uh, is Factory of Sadness. Um, so again, we'll jump back again to Martinsville Speedway. Uh, there's a lot of guys that run really well here. 
Um, we already brought up the fact that Ryan's run really well, but hasn't won yet, but he's been a pretty guaranteed top five, top 10 finished driver, probably in the last six or seven races at Martinsville. He's probably somebody I'll at least, um, I'll at least have him in my garage. But like you said, we really need to see if they get practice and qualifying in because I might be hesitant to start him if he does have to start deep in the field because of the metric uh, qualifying system. Um, other guys that I'm looking at, uh, Martin Truex Jr., and Denny Hamlin, and you know we're back to kind of a normal track, and I don't know how you could ignore what uh, William Byron has been doing this year when they're running everywhere outside of uh, the dirt race. <laughs> so any other guys yeah. that, that you uh, want to consider here? Uh, any Penske teammates or any other Hendrick cars? That You know, uh, anything Hendrick, right? I mean, as long as they're not cheating real, real badly. They, um <laughs> Even when they're not cheating, they're running really well. Um, but uh, I really, I'm hoping for the big, big weekend for Ryan. Um, yeah, Bubba Wallace runs really well at, at uh, Martinsville. Uh, he has uh, some truck truck wins there. Yep. Um, Martin Trick, I like that. I like that uh, it's it's you know he's really really good there too. Um, and it's Dent Denny was really, really good there. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it really, it be really interesting to see how practice and qualifying goes just because I want to see what this package looks like. Yep. Um, practice wise, see what the lap times look like. Um, and then, you know, see what, you know, where you line up is really going to be key because it's going to be a, even if the racing is a little better, it's still going to be a track position kind of race. So, um, just looking forward to, to Saturday, hopefully having the right weather. Um, the one thing I saw on the weather report said the rain was going to be in the morning Saturday. So that would be good. You know, they can get all that activity in, in the evening. It'd be great. Uh, one thing to notice, I don't know if they had made this swap last year as well, is that this race at Martinsville is only going to be 400 miles um, in prior or 400 laps. Sorry. In prior years, it had been a 500 lap race in both the spring and the fall. Um, there's some consternation between uh, ticket holders and people that have been going for a long time that feel a little bit cheated that they've, they've taken a uh, hundred laps off of this, but I'm, I'm okay with it because it, it creates a little bit more of a sense of urgency and that can only mean good things when it comes to a race on a short track. So looking forward to this weekend, looking forward to this race at Martinsville. And I wish we didn't need to end an, uh, another podcast by saying, hopefully for a, a rebound, for this 12 team that's been running so well. Um, there's been some things out of their control. That's, that's, that's ruined some of their finishes, some things in their control. That's kind of uh, hurt them a little bit in their finishes. But I think this is definitely a race where they can come in with a strong car, uh, a strong setup, strong team. We already know they got a strong driver and they can put some things together and get back into the hunt for this NASCAR cup series championship in 2023. Um, but I think that pretty much wraps up things for this episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. I want to thank you, everyone, once again for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, just listen to our very first episode that explores our Blaney racing fandom. You can interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, at Team Blaney, and on Instagram and uh, TikTok, I guess. I hear we have a TikTok at Team.Blaney. Yeah. Um Look for fun things that happen around that. Steve usually posts some stuff from the podcast and any other fun things we see throughout the week. And uh, if you haven't checked out the, if you've seen some of our video episodes, you see Steve has a really cool wall behind him of some mini hoods. He has some really good videos on TikTok oh, uh, yeah. of those hoods if you want to get a close look at that. Advanced Auto Parts this week is the paint scheme. There you go. So check out the Advanced Auto Parts paint scheme this weekend. That's a really sharp car. 
And finally, we'd like to encourage you to support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation established in 2018. This organization supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine through fundraisers, events, and membership in the Blaney Bunch Fan Club. To learn more, visit RyanBlaneyFamilyFoundation.org or follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Check out the TikTok. Well, thanks everybody for coming. I hope you enjoyed it.